With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Wherever you are, you could be doing anything else and you decided to uh, be a part of this broadcast. We certainly appreciate that. I want to go to the phones, bring in my guest. Uh, she is a Ph.D., CLU, adjunct associate professor, Department of Health Behavior Director uh, and Carolina Sports Business Club, uh, and so many more things. Her list goes on and on, and it's a pleasure to have her on. I don't even know how many years it's been, uh, but good to have on uh, Debbie Strowman. And and listen, I appreciate you coming on. I hope all is well with you and your family, and I, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on on su- such uh, short notice. Absolutely. It's uh, good to be with you, and certainly there's so much going on in the world of sports and also being connected to uh, the other pandemic, uh, race and racism. Yeah, and, you know, when you – I always call you Dr. Deb, if that's okay. When you look at the COVID part of this with sports, um, even on the campus of UNC, the apprehension and all of the things that's going on, with with the pandemic, especially affecting those who are, you know, black and brown, um, more so, many more times worse than other communities. Um, how do you feel about them? Not just, I mean, people on campus just trying to get their degree and go to school, but playing the game. And and we've seen what this guy uh, occupying the White House with these big crowds and and. And, and how it's been uh, affecting people getting sick. This is real. Like, it's real. This, and it's very sobering when you, when, when you find someone who actually you know who's been affected by COVID-19. But what's your thoughts on, you know, college sports? Uh, we know the money, but college sports actually trying to get all of this in, in the midst of this COVID-19. Well, that is a big question, and it's definitely problematic not only for students, it's problematic for faculty, it's a problematic for some administrators, and certainly we understand that a university does not stand alone. And when you're talking about an NCAA Power 5 school, you're talking about the impact that it has on a community, so how the health department feels as well. And so it is the perfect storm for trying to pay your bills, which football and men's basketball does for the Um, the majority of the athletic department, and then also understanding that you have to put health and safety first. And so many would argue that the two just don't, you can't put, you know, making money on the same level of health and safety, and nor should you. But there are those who understand that if the bills aren't paid, then the possibility that you might have to shut down your entire athletic department. And so it is a lot of head scratching, a lot of people coming together from different units, Uh, Not only, again, because 
uh, the big power five schools, most of them are big public institutions. And so it means that you have to bring people in who aren't only academics, aren't only sport administrators, but politicians. And so it is it is definitely a big, big challenge. One of the things I didn't like to hear is that students and student athletes, they're going to want a ball. It doesn't matter you know, football, basketball, men's basketball, women's, they want to play in most cases. I won't say all of them, but a lot of them express interest. Listen, we can beat this. I wear my mask. I want to play. And for some different, uh, I won't get into specific uh, institutions, but some of them are saying, well, you know, the, the kids want to play. Well, they're 17 and 18. Of course they want to play. So you let them dictate, and because of that, you want to play. So that's one of the concerns I have. The other, uh, Doc, is the fact that you have, and you know uh, if you're in a Power Five like you are, uh, the HBCUs, they don't have the money of Alabama, right? You know, they don't have those things. So it's, it's almost like a lot of them, and I've talked with a couple of commissioners, the pressure of playing, especially if they move. We've seen A&T move from MEAC and went to a different uh, a PWI, if you will, uh, that the pressure to play in the midst and keep your schedule or forfeit all of this money or even be branded as, okay, well, we'll remember this down the road. If you're not going to comply and play like, you know, an Elon, just keeping it in, in locally in North Carolina, Elon as opposed to A&T, if, you, if they're going to play, then you have to play. Talk about those pressures that have to go into it because, again, as we know, sports is a microcosm of society. So the HBCUs is just like the black and brown communities. Like we're, it's going to be, if, it, if it's really bad in, in those uh, communities and, and PWIs, it's even worse. And the pressure and all of the, the, the money issues is even worse with HBCUs. Well, let's take the questions one at a time first. <laughs> But the first one was going back to uh, the student-athlete and who should be making these decisions. And there's no doubt that they are adults, and many of them are independent, and some are married and have families and responsibilities. And so you don't want to treat them as children necessarily. But on the other side, you hope that the administrators who have years of experience, and many of them former athletes who understand that, especially when we talk about football and men's basketball, at the Power 5 level, generally 80% of them believe that they can play at the next level. And being at a Power 5 school, that's really the litmus test. Can you, uh, can you even start? And if you start, can you contribute? And then if you contribute, then you're testing yourself against other players uh, on your team and the competition as to whether or not you could play at the next level. But, again, they come in thinking that, what are you going to do for me to help me showcase my talent so that I can be at the next level? And as we know, very few make it, let alone being drafted and actually making an NBA team for long term and getting a second contract. And so you have to have people to stand up and say there's a bigger picture here because odds are, and especially after their first or second year, they realize that they don't have the talent. And so what are we doing to prepare them? What are we doing to make sure that they feel that same confidence that they have on the field and on the court in terms of getting a job or starting their own business? And so the problem that I have with all of that isn't so much that 
the athletes are speaking up and saying, hey, I want to play. What I'm troubled by is when you have these coaches who are now saying that it is important for them to be on campus because their communities back home are just bad. As in the schools are bad, the transportation transportation is bad, the food system is bad, everything around is just terrible. And so they're better off being on these big, uh, beautiful campuses that have great nutrition programs. They have the athletic facilities, the strength and conditioning, that all of this is better for them. And so the question is not that that statement is wrong, but how come you're saying it now? You're only calling out the poor conditions of some of these student athletes only because you need them to play the sport. Whereas you've been quiet, it's been like crickets up until this point. How come you haven't been talking about the communities that they come from and working for change? But you only speak up now that you need them to play the sport. Mm. Now, the second question around HBCUs, definitely, definitely challenged. But again, many of them signed up for this. They want to play. They want to keep up with the Joneses. And they want to uh, have all the branding and all the attention and all of that. And sadly, again, state or state universities, they're not getting the same uh, let's just say it's disproportionate in terms of their funding. And so whether you're talking about the Wisconsin system, the North Carolina system, the California system, uh, the Ohio system, the Georgia system, the bigger schools with the larger um, enro- number of enrollees, they get more of the pot. And so now you have a pandemic layered on top of that, and you really see the uh, haves and the have-nots. And again, best intentions, but this is what the pandemic does. Uh, it really, really spotlights, you know, which are the programs that are going to get as much support that's available versus those who are just going to somehow have to survive the best you can. Or, as we're going to see, is more and more cuts. Uh, from my understanding, January is going to be a very, very challenging time on our college campuses across the country because there's going to be a lot of furloughs and layoffs. And I'm hopeful that it doesn't happen right during the holiday season, because that, that's just another uh, stressor to add during the holiday season. And that leads to a lot of mental issues. I'm sure you understand it, you know, with that stress um, uh, 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 around the holiday season, any layoff or furlough or anything, I'm, I'm sure, will be really uh, uh, tough. Doc, when you look at the, the way that college and pro, has tried to deal with this virus. Uh, at the NBA, kudos to them. Although they, you know, they had some issues, but they they got through it, right? They they played in a bubble and they got through it. NHL did the same thing. We don't know what with college basketball yet. Uh, college football, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. Baseball is getting through, um, uh, and then NFL is the plantation of all plantations. So they're going to play. Regardless, people get sick, they're just going to line them up and keep playing. Um, that's the way the NFL do it, although they print money. They all do, but the NFL certainly does. Um, but from the, the, the NBA, the, I mean, from the, the basketball standpoint in, in college, men and women, as you uh, certainly uh, understand and, and cover, what, what can they do? And, and will we see, we don't know anything, much of, uh, of anything about this virus, um, you know, you know, we're in those stages to understand it, but what can they do moving forward to try to, you know, sort of minimize uh, the the issues and even the concerns that 
some like us would have in playing in these arenas? Well, it's the epitome of a big sales pitch. That's all you can do because there are just so many different varying opinions in terms of how to respond. There are some people who say it's not worth it at all. I'm quarantining. I don't need the president to tell me to quarantine. I don't need, you know, my family members to tell me. I'm just not going to risk it because of those unknowns. And the unknowns aren't short-term, as in there are some people who've watched and observed and seen that there are people who get through it, and, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. And so they have this sense of it's going to be really, really bad, but I can get through it. But then there's the other folks who understand it doesn't matter if you get through it. We don't know the long-term effects. You know, we've heard everything from people will continue to have uh, a sense of, like, ants burning in their shoes. We've heard of people still having uh, breathing uh, issues, uh, you know, months later. Uh, we've heard of people not being able to gain their sense of smell and taste. And so, indeed, you might survive. Uh, you know, one bout of it, but we don't know what's going to happen a year from now, five years from now, or maybe, you know, when you're an elder and, you know, they take a look at your, your tests and you see that your, your certain parts of your body have broken down all due to that one bout you had way back when. And so there are some people, again, who are quarantined and they don't need to be instructed. And then there are others who say, uh, I need to go out. I need to go and function. I, I can't operate like this, uh, whether you're an introvert or extrovert or ambivert. And so they're taking more of a risk. I'm just hopeful that the marketing and the push, because there are no requirements, right? There's no requirement that you put on gloves, no requirement that you wear a mask. But I'm hopeful that people say that I do need to engage. I need, I'm a social being. I need to get out, that they will at least um, think about others. You know, the, wearing the mask is not really hard. It's not like we're asking people to wear a bulletproof uh, vest around their chest that weighs, you know, 10, 15 pounds. You know, a mask is not that um, it's not that big of an intrusion in our lives. You know, if you wear glasses, the worst thing is that your glasses get fogged up and you just have to raise them a bit every once in a while. So I don't think that's too much to ask. And then the other group that needs to be marketed to, and probably they need instruction as a requirement, are those who just don't believe in all this, that it's just a hoax and it's just the media making stuff up. And they're the ones who are running around acting like uh, this is one day it will disappear and it doesn't really matter and, you know, give me a hug, give me a kiss, you know, we're going to be okay. And those are the ones that are the real threat to all of us. And, you know, the pressure's on athletic administrators and um, sport managers to try to manage that mindset of those who – would come out to a game and really not comply with any of the arena or stadium requirements or recommendations. And so that's where it gets really, really dicey. Um, I would hope that anybody who says that I want to go ahead and be social and support my team that decides to buy a ticket or go out would be in that second or, in, or second group where you're willing to comply because you care about everybody and not just yourself. And some people don't care about other people and that and we know that's right and the, and the mask and don't wear it and it's going to go away we know where it comes from the top uh we're mm-hmm. talking we're talking with dr debbie uh, stroman of course here on the bachelor news uh radio show on the bachelor news radio network wcom lp chapel hill and carborough doc i want to talk about before you go uh, uh, about the advancement of the black athlete 
And 2020 has been really hard from Joe Morgan to uh, some of the greats in, in football and, and, and yeah. baseball. We've John lost Thompson. A, John Thompson. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, look at what he did in giving mm-hmm. all these opportunities to, to the Allen Iversons and all these other kids that came through uh, that played for him and the, the Bob Gibsons and all, all these great people. And, and some people, I had a conversation with someone earlier that said, you know, uh, part of the advancement, if you will, of the black athlete has been socially, economically, and even sociology, it's socially uh, uh, been a detriment to us as a people. Again, sports being a microcosm of society in which that we have um, feel like we've overcome in the midst of uh Sports and in entertainment, of course, but not really having the uh, the political power, the, the the power to bring forth change for these communities. What do you think about that? That that um, have we done enough? It, it, is is it been sort of a uh, a hindrance because of some of the successes and the the you know. Michael Jordan this and Jackie Robinson this, the first black this and the first black that. Has that been something good for us long term uh, up until this point or something that's been really detrimental to us as a people? Well, there's no doubt that we've made progress in all domains, you know, whether it's the arts, whether it's sport, whether it's business, whether it's politics. I mean, the environment, I mean, everything we have made progress, but certainly we have not advanced to the point where we can say we are equal or, more importantly, that we have equity, and that's the difference. And so I want to mention that I am very, very happy to be a part of a new organization, a new nonprofit called Advancement of Blacks in Sport. Uh, People can visit WeAreABIF, as in Advancement of Blacks in Sports, WeAreABIF.org to learn more about us. But we are indeed working on those different aspects within the sport arena, the athletic arena, where we're pointing out the inequities, where we're pointing out where we are not getting our piece of the pie. Uh, so, yes, it was great to have a uh, Arthur Ashe, but, you know, look at Serena and Vina. Where are the others? We've got Osaka now, but we believe that there should be so many more. You know, when we think about football and we think about you know, the guys who, who came before us in that sport. And, yes, we have Patrick Mahomes and we've got, you know, Russell, you know, Russell Wilson. So, but, again, we want more. Um, you know, when you think about women's basketball and, you know, think about that we still have C. Vivian Stringer and now we have a Dawn Staley, but still we want more. And so on the, full, on the, on the uh, in terms of performance, Yes, more athletes, more black athletes are getting that opportunity. But now we're looking at what is the experience. Are they getting the top doctors? Are they getting the best equipment? You know, going back to the HBCU experience. And then we have to look at management and leadership and ownership. And, yes, we have a Michael Jordan. Um, You know, we have um, some others, you know, Magic Johnson, the Dodgers. But still, we want more. When we look at it from an economic perspective, 
we have athletes on the field and on the courts, and we've got people who are athletic directors. Carla Williams at Virginia. But then we think about, well, what about all the business that comes from the enterprise, as in the supplier diversity? We want to see more black businesses get a cut of the construction contracts, the concessions opportunities, all of these things, the uniforms. And so we still have a long way to go, and there are many people now who've become awakened or at least have found the right platform and organization that they can join so they can be a part of this movement. And we are, you know, ABIF is uh, uh, black-led, but our team of people all across the country are white, brown, and black. Awesome. And uh, we're going to give that information again. Let me ask you this. Uh, Some people feel uh, that infiltration, I mean, uh, integration had led to infiltration when it comes to sports. Is that part of the reason why uh, we are not in ownership and the economic positions that you've been talking about? Well, there's no doubt that when you talk about organizing and affecting change uh, in the race uh, racial perspective, that brown and black people need to work together and white people need to work together, as in conscious white people need to talk to other white people and brown and black people need to work together. But then at some point, hopefully sooner than later, we all need to come together. And so when you talk about infiltrate, you know, I, I hear the word spy and people trying to thwart the, the general mission. And sadly, I can say that that just doesn't happen with white people. That just happens to anybody who's unconscious. You could have a black organization that's been infiltrated by a non-conscious black person, right? So it doesn't matter in terms of uh, the race of the infiltration, the point is the consciousness and whether sure. or not you're really uh, fighting for racial and uh, equity and justice. Uh, but I do believe that brown and black people need to work together more, and I believe conscious white people need to work together with one another and also work on those not work on those white people who aren't conscious um, before we can come together and, and affect positive change. Yeah, and, you know, when you – I think, too, one of the concerns I have, and I have always been – I mean, just on the court-wise, I think the women's game, especially the the WBA and the college game, is more fundamentally sound than the men's. I've been saying that forever. They pass the ball. They, they screen. They pick and pop. They do everything. The men are, you know, they shooting threes. They're dunking the ball. And – some of them have fundamentals and stuff. We understand that, but the the game is evolved into just you know who can jump higher and run faster and everything else. But the the women's game has always been fundamentally fundamentally sound to me. With that being said, in terms of the equality in the midst of black and brown people, uh, there is one of the if if, if black men economically aren't reaching. Uh, the pedestal aren't being at the table aren't have it they're not having the ownership then just imagine of course you do you know the numbers is even worse for black women so what do you say about that in terms of getting black women up to speed black and brown women up to speed in the midst of a, a, a time where we're trying to get equality as as a race definitely a challenge the other side is if you flip it is that the expenses aren't as enormous for women than for men. And so 
if that can be said, that there is some hope. So you don't have to have a billion-dollar industry. But on the other side, we know we have inequities. And certainly, if you know, you're talking about the college level, uh, there are federal laws in place, you know, Title IX, uh, to try and manage that. Now, are still people breaking the rules or cutting the corners? Absolutely. And so that's why you have, you know, the, the feds coming in and taking a look at athletic departments when there's a whisper, uh, when there's a whistleblower uh, in terms of equity is not happening. Uh, but, yes, it is definitely a big, big challenge. And, you know, I do believe that these broad-based programs where you have NCAA Division One schools who are trying to manage 24, 28 sports and putting a lot of that burden on football and men's basketball to raise money so that you can take care of country club sports. And I'm not here to, you know, to speak negatively of those sports. I love field hockey. I love golf. I love tennis and all of that. But due to the financial demands of trying to run an athletic department at top levels for every sport, it just I just think it's an unfair burden on those athletes. And, again, going back to the racial lens, uh, you know you're talking about brown and black young men who are, who are doing the heavy lifting for the entire department. And I don't think it's bad to cut back on some of these sports uh, because I still think the experience will be amazing. Instead of getting six pair of, you know, cleats and shoes, now you only get three. You know, instead of getting, you know, a five-course meal, you know, seven days a week, you know, maybe that only happens five days a week. Uh, as opposed to getting, you know, as many uniforms as you need. Again, there's a ways that ways that we can cut down and reduce the expense side, uh, as opposed to just thinking we just have to make more and more money, more and more money, which means more commercialization. Well, two two points. Uh, you know, UConn just had a uh, the, there was a uh, uh, some women in the in the sport. I can't remember which sport that um, filed a lawsuit and won. Uh, because of the um, disproportion in terms of the their their salaries to men, yes, at that was UConn. a reset, right, yeah. right, and, and other schools, right, and universities as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so kudos to them. The other thing is too, uh, to your point, I think let's let's not be uh, again. Don't be unrealistic. You know, football and basketball is driving everything, and you get academias on on campus in some cases, and and others that might be the volleyball coach, no disrespect to volleyball, that feel like, okay, you know, their 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 sport is important but they're but they're not driving the revenue. So let's just be real about it. Like stop playing these games and to your point, you can do it in a in a manageable way. Um but those are the two big ones that are really driving the revenue that comes into these athletic departments. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty simple. Um, but again, for for whatever reason, uh, we there are still departments out there that are continuing to try to, you know, have a big, big athletic department. And uh, and then you have a COVID-19 that just interrupts uh, the budgeting process. So again, stay tuned. Uh, people who think that 2020 was challenging, uh, 2021 is going to be challenging as well. Yeah. Before you go, please do give out the website uh, so folks can um, get involved and, and and get more information on what you're doing. Sure. So I do have a center of sport business and analytics, and I will have my annual 
Basketball Analytics Summit on April 16th, and you can visit my center website at thecfba.com, as in T-H-E, C as in Charlie, S as in Sam, B as in Ball, A for Apple.com, thecfba.com. And then if you're interested in learning more about advancement of blacks in sports, the website is weareabis.org. Well, we're going to post this on our website. Dr. Deva, look, it's been a pleasure. Uh, don't be a stranger. We'll get you on more. You continue to do what you do and be safe uh, uh, in your travel. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tune in to You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com.
Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, if you missed any part of our broadcast, you can go to our website, uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, and listen to the show in its entirety at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time uh, at that website every day at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Speaking of that, my next guest uh, airs uh, his show on Saturdays there on the Bachelor News Radio Network. He is a senior pastor at Maximum Life Worship Center in Greensboro and the uh, host, of course, if you will, the, the Life Cafe broadcast airs, as I mentioned, every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Pro. He is Pastor Omar Rojas. And, Pastor, it's uh, always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to, to be to be on with you. Thank you so much. And I always have you on. You know, you always have great answers for some thought-provocative uh, uh, topics. And, you know, I wanted to have you on. We just finished this election, and, you know, even with that, people want to feel like they can breathe now. Uh, um, um, the vaccine are on the way, so they say. And, um, you know, people are trying to look for hope. There's still a lot of divide, as you know. We don't have to get into all the the political stuff. But there's still stress, and there's still people who want to have some sense of normalcy, some stability. So with scriptures and what you would say um, just directly, what would be the thing that you would say in regards to what the word would say in terms of applying some faith and some instructions to your life to make people feel better and, and know that it's going to be better. Right. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, facing a lot of challenging times. And, you know, it would be nice if there was just one thing going on that we could kind of process. But uh, um, the way society and, and the way life is, is right now, it's, uh, it's a lot of things all at one time. Um, but, you know, you know, we all we all face a lot of things. You know, even you know beyond what's what's going on in our in our world today, we, we face a lot of challenges from from day to day. And so, you know, for for those of us you know, believers, you know, it's it's one of those, as the scripture would say, to you know to hold fast to our uh, profession of faith. You know, and and another that says, you know, you know, in in due season we'll we'll reap if we faint not. And so, challenging as 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 things are right now, we still do. Uh, have to look to God. We have to look to God in in, in, in these situations, and, and and again, hope fast, believing that that He will, you know, show up as He as He has in times past. And that's one of the things that I I do personally is 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 I reflect on different times that that He has uh, come through for me. You know, of course, while I was going through a specific something, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see a way out. You know, but hindsight, I can see where you know He. Uh, showed up for me, and so you know, I personally take you know take the time to look back at those times and and remind myself that you know even though I may not see him the way I want to see him in you know in this situation, he's proven to show up before, and you know with his um, track record, if you will, it gives me personally the encouragement I need to to, to keep going because he's always shown up for me. He's just joining us. We're talking with uh, Pastor Omar Rojas uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Pastor, do you have you had to do much counseling, if you will, uh, many of your sermons uh, in the midst of this virus, uh, even you know leading up to it, uh, and with the chaos of the political uh, climate, the, the racial co- climate, have you ha- had to do more in that that area because of it? Uh, I wouldn't have had to do more, but I uh, at, with with those particular things in mind, but. Maybe as a 
as a result of, you know, it's just a common, a whole bunch of things, a culmination of things. There, there has seemed to be um, more, more conversations and, 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 you know, um, advice giving, if, if I can just use the proper terms uh, tonight. <laughs> you know, just some more uh, wisdom giving uh, at this particular moment because, uh, as, as we're talking, as we're talking about, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of things going on. And uh, again, I, I, I believe it's just because of all of these things all happening all at one time, you know, COVID-19 and, and, and what we've been living through this pandemic, we've been living through for, oh, I'm not sure how many months now, uh, roughly since February, March of yeah, this about, year. About nine months, um, I believe. About yeah, so months, it's, yeah. it's been some time. And, you know, people are going through some things, you know, the, the whole quarantine and, and, you know, essentially being isolated. And, and I think we talked about this before in the previous show. Uh, you know, some, you know, some people are being locked in places that they don't want to be in. You know, when, when we're talking about home, you know, in a home situation, um, and so you know, the difficult difficulties that come from that uh, have have been very real. And so, yeah, we we we've, we've done a lot of I don't want to say counseling, but a lot of uh, advice giving as a result of a lot of things that have been going on in 2020. You know, the one thing I saw again, not to get too political or anything, but uh, yeah. when President-elect Biden was deemed the winner and at 270 electoral votes. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw masses of people all across the country and even, you know, other countries uh, as well, dancing in the streets and excited and, <laughs> and crying and relieved. Um, do they miss, though, even believers, do, do they miss at the end of the day that, with everything that was going on, and again, just you know, trying to not to, to be biblical as you know, you're the, the scholar. But did they miss that God is still God? Did they miss the point? Did, are they you thinking they're getting that? I mean, because they sell, you know, the, the wicked witch is dead. You know, if they're not a Trump supporter, so they're dancing in the streets and and doing all these things. Are, are, do you feel like we're not getting the point? after all that's gone through and after all we're still going through? I, I do think that we have, um, just as, as, as believers in, in general, it, it almost seems, and, and you hit the nail on the head um, in asking the question, is that you know, I, I think we've lost sight of the fact that, that as believers that, that you know, we, sh- we should and ought to believe that God is in control. And I think we've, we've, we've lost sight of that as a whole, not everybody, but just you know, as a whole. And... And, and and honestly speaking, um, there have been uh, some people that are close to me that 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 have it, it, I, I just have become really disappointed because of it seems as if we have more faith in the presidency than we do God, and um, it's it, it, it's it's been dis, dis, uh, disheartening and, and and disappointing last couple of weeks or a week or so, however long it's been, just seeing, you know, again, more faith in the presidency than, than, than in the, the God that we uh, say that we serve and the, and the God that we believe in and follow and have given our lives to. Yeah, I was, I was talking to someone that uh, it mentioned that and, and, and basically was, was saying that we should not lose our way, that uh, if right. we feel, again, if you're anti-Trump in this particular case or any, any position that your candidate won, you feel like, yes, your vote counted, but now it's a new day from your behalf if you voted that way. 
but it's a higher power, it's a higher uh, position that allowed your candidate to win. And I don't think that uh, some people understand that. And it was um, an old friend of mine that was uh, pointing that out to me today. But your, your thoughts on that? Well, but that's, that's absolutely true. It's, you know, it's like the Bible says, God, you know, God puts up one and takes down another. Um, so, you know, who's in office, whether we like it or not, <laughs> you know, um, has has been set there by God as believers, even if we don't agree with what whatever the turnout is or was or I don't even know the correct term to put at this particular point. Um, uh, you know, our, our position has to always be a position of prayer. You know, regardless of whether we like the candidate or not, or whether we agree with 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 you know you know their policies and so on and so forth. Our our position has to be a position of prayer, um, and, you know, uh, because, you know, as, as the Bible says, you know, the heart of the king is in the Lord's, is in the Lord's hands, um, and so, and, and he can turn that heart, so, you know, you know, again, we have to really, really have a, a position or even a posture of prayer uh, for leaders, again, whether we like them or not, and that's the hard part, um, because, <laughs> And this is this is going to be tough, but you know we we oftentimes only pray for the people that we like, um, but that's not what prayer is about. And so uh, again, we have to pray for our leadership, uh, whether we like them or not, uh, so that you know we can see God move on you know on our behalf, on the people's behalf. What do you think of? I was reading online for um, some. It was a Christian site, and there were some people that said, you know, uh, a you know. God doesn't make accidents. There's no accident. Everything right. is right. right. But but mm-hmm. B that this COVID is, you know, lack of a better word is you know something that God allowed to bring people mm-hmm. together to to uh, send a clear message. Is that what you understand? Um, I, I can I can understand that. Um, but I I can also you know say that it, it could be the result of of poor decision making or or even based on how it's spread. Uh, you know, for some, not all. You know, uh, through touching things we're not supposed to be touching. You know, you know. So and 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 look at the things that we have to do. We you know we have to cover our mouths or we have to clean our hands, wash our hands. You know, before, during, after. You know, we have to be a little bit more. Uh, conscious of, of, of you know, the things that we're touching. So, you know, does God allow things? Absolutely. And is it to bring people closer together? Is, is, it, is it to, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, I had the answer for that. But, you know, as, as the Bible would say, the, uh, a curse causeless does not come. So there is a reason, a reasoning behind, you know, COVID-19. And I'm not trying to, you know, say it's something political or it's the government or I'm not saying any of that. Um, I'm just, you know, simply, you know, from the Bible standpoint, the cur- a curse causes does not come. So it could be re- the result of, of, of poor decision making years ago or whatever the case may be. Um, but, but it, it's not, as we would say, happenstance that COVID-19 is, is, is here. You know, what would you, final thoughts, what would you, uh, what scripture, um, would you, uh, refer people to? Uh, I know people at this point want stability. They want peace. Uh, they, they want um, hope. They want to know that it's all it's going to be okay. And and certainly we can go to the word to find that. But what would you um, put out there for people to kind of read and get some encouragement? Right now, I would. Um, and and it's a super, super familiar passage of scripture. 
um, um, that I'm, I'm actually going to probably read really quickly. Uh, sure. And it is, uh, and again, something we probably all heard at least twice in our life. This might be the second time for somebody. <laughs> um, but and, and uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Um, and, 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 and that's the scripture that gives us hope. Uh, I do want to add, not to this scripture, but, but add to the context of the scripture. Uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially, you know, in the church or as believers, we say this all, you know, often that, 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 you know, things work together. Um, the way we state, state it really is, is they, they work for my good, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that things work together for good, right? Um, and so here's the thing, and I think I said this in a previous uh, broadcast or interview, um, and, and that's this, is that I have to make sure that my good and God's good look the same. And uh, because, again, the scripture says for good to them that love God, not my good, but good. Uh, I, I say that because all these things, these, these experiences that we're having, these situations that we're facing, these dilemmas, these issues, and, you know, whatever word we want to use tonight, it's going to work for good. Um, and, and, and here's the beauty of, of it working for good, and that's this, is that this, this passage of Scripture talks about things working for good. These things work for good when we process them in prayer. So, so, so tonight, if I can encourage anybody um, in, in situations and things that we're going through, is that to always keep that, commu- that line of communication open with God. Always keep committing things to prayer. I know it doesn't seem like it's working. I know it doesn't seem like God is moving. But if we continue to process these things in prayer, even when they're not moving, even when things uh, are stagnated, uh, uh, not again, not moving. If we continue to process those things in prayer, continue to 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 you know share our hearts with God. You know the the, the parts we want to share and the things that we don't want to share with God. If we continue to process those things out in prayer, that's when Romans eight twenty eight is is literally unlocked for us, where things start working together for good when we process these things in prayer. So I encourage you. Uh, for those you know who, who 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 would like to read the Bible, go back and actually read Romans eight uh, in its entirety, and you'll see and be able to capture that Romans eight twenty eight comes after prayer. Um, so you know a lot of times we get mad with God because things may not be working for our good. But my question is: is have we really processed these things in prayer? Have we really committed these situations uh, and circumstances in prayer? So. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, go over my time. I, I know that I'm long-winded, no, but, but, no, but, but please, by all means, continue to process these things in prayer, and then we will see these things work together for our, for good. And it's funny, too, uh, uh, Pastor, that someone had emailed me. You mentioned, you know, purpose, and uh, someone emailed Proverbs uh, 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose yeah. of the Lord that will stand and um, someone also wrote uh, or sent in, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare yeah. and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my 
actual favorites too. Uh, Pastor, uh, before you go, uh, please do let people know where they can find your church, your your church times, and all of that information, sir. Absolutely. Uh, we are, and I say this often, we are, are located in the great metropolis of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, but we are on 29, we are at, excuse me, 2902 East Market Street, again, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, our service times, we have uh, our, what we call Life Cafe, uh, which is also our radio broadcast on Saturdays, right, uh, between 5 and 6, uh, uh, Saturday evenings, I'm sorry. Um, but we have our Life Cafe, which is our version of Bible study at 8.30 a.m. on Sundays. And then we go into prayer uh, and the service right at 9.15. Uh, and, of course, we do have Bible studies on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, that's Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. That's the name. That's the uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can go there uh, and 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 hit like, and and you'll be able to uh, stream live with us there. Uh, but we would love for you to be our personal guest. And if, if I can have just about two seconds, uh, this coming Thanksgiving, uh, we're having what we call Feed Five Hundred. Uh, we are our feeding the what we call the transitional community uh otherwise known as homeless uh, we, we we do this every year been doing it for six years um and and we definitely do need your help uh the the, the best thing that i can tell you to do if you if, if you can help us if you can go to our maximizing life family worship center page on facebook you'll be able to see the information that that that, that uh of the things that we need and we need volunteers and we just need we need help again uh, volunteers and, and we just need uh, uh, again food to be able to uh, serve the community um, so uh, again Facebook Maximizing Life Family Worship Center home of the Max Life Church uh, if you go there all the information you need for Fee 500 is there and you can uh, get that contact information from there um, and, and we would love for you and we would we would really honestly bless God for any kind of help that you uh, would be able to help us well, Pastor, let's make sure that uh, between uh, Elder Janelle and um, yourself, we get that information so I can uh, definitely post that uh, up there for you. And listen, uh, God bless you and your family and, uh, and certainly uh, the congregation and all. And you be well. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. You be safe as well. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. taught when you were young If you mess with things selfishly the bound are coming down I'm not the only one That's been affected and resented every story of fun and I'm a lucky one Cause there are people worse off that have suffered enough haven't they suffered enough But you can't get enough of Shutting down systems for personal gain Fighting fires with liars and praying for rain Do you get off on pain? 
were not pawns in your game Commander-in-chief, honestly If I did the things you do I couldn't sleep, seriously Do you even know the truth? We're in a state of crisis People are dying while you line your pockets deep Commander-in-chief, how does it feel to still be able to breathe We were taught when we were young If we fight for what's right There won't be justice for just some Won't give up, stand our ground We'll be in the streets while you're bunkering down Loud and proud, best believe We'll still take a knee while you're commander-in-chief Honestly, if I did the Georgia. We need to help the people 
not because it's Democrats, but because we need democracy now. Turn it blue to tell the, the Trump Republicans enough is enough. Let me get this straight. You lost by 7 million votes in Dill County, yet you are doing four states. You are asking for a recount in two states. You're meeting one state, Michigan. You're meeting them, they're GOP leaders. If I had to do my house. Are you serious? Not like that. You're attacking the cities of Philadelphia, Detroit, and the state of Georgia. Why? Because they're people of color. That's why. Look, this guy has said over and over again, I am the least racist president you ever had. Really? So why are you attacking Philadelphia? Why are you attacking Detroit? Why are you attacking the state of Georgia, which was red for a hundred years? Now it's blue. You can't take it. You can't take it. Meanwhile, you will give information, needed information, to our next elected president. You keep information, security information, you keep COVID information from the president-elect. Really? I mean, really, this is how you act. This is how you act. Now, I can remember, see, this, this is the people who have amnesia. I'm going to knock you over the head. People have amnesia, okay? When President Barack Obama left office, he gave him a playbook for for uh, infectious disease. Infectious disease. He gave him a plan for all militaries. He opened the White House door for President Donald J. Trump. No respect for this guy. In fact. He might be there until the last day, not moving. We'll have to get the Secret Service and the Marshals to get him out. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a heavy beginning, but, but we had to discuss this. We had to discuss this because, because this is a natural disaster. It is, it is the week of Thanksgiving. The week of Thanksgiving. People are getting on airplanes. Kids are going home from school. And we had COVID running all over the place. The rate has risen last week. 
COVID program. Why? Because Trump refuses to authorize it. This is a legacy. Okay, folks. This is going to be a legacy that we will never forget. A legacy that America will never forget. Now, I know some of you will go down the flames following this man. That's okay. We believe what we believe. That's fine. But when you intrude on another person's house, when you threaten another person's life, then it becomes everybody's problem. That's where we are right now. I go to the store, I'm leery. I stay away from people. Why? Because I want to get the COVID-19. If I get the COVID-19, that is a death sentence. Let me repeat that again. For most people with disabilities, if they get COVID-19, game over. Okay, because they have limited breathing capacity. I've seen grown men die from this stuff. Okay, stop it. We need a national COVID program today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, today. Donald J. Trump, I'm sorry, you're a complete disgrace. I'm just getting word that uh, Donald J. Trump has officially authorized the Biden transition. That should be interesting. After uh, two weeks, most presidents, when they are relieved of duty, they immediately transfer all the information to the next president. This man ego won't let him do it. This man ego won't let him do it. That's that's part of the problem. My first 15 minutes, I'm gonna I'll do politics. And then we'll get into sports. I wanna I wanna uh, give give a uh, shout out to uh, and they will give me the opportunity to go on the air tonight. I don't want to talk about this for a long time about Donald J. Trump. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Republican Party has the answer to this. I'm gonna take a break now and come back with the other other news, sports news of the day. No more politics. That's it. I'm closing the door. I think we're on the right track now with Trump administration officially uh, authorizing the Biden transition as the first step to a new administration. 
be back in two minutes.
Seminole, Chowdaw, Cherokee, Lenape, whatever tribe. There are 100, 174 tribes in the United States. If you pick one and help that tribe, I'll roll with that. Like the Florida State Seminoles, Florida State University Seminoles, I can roll with that. Because Florida State helps no tribe. That's what we gotta do. So, that's just an introduction of where I am, who I am, and we will continue. We'll take a break and come back with our, our other guests, and we will talk about the last half hour of the episode. We'll take a break now if we can.
Yeah, we got a uh, we got uh, Gary. We got uh, Orlando Hughes on on the line with you from uh, our good friend from uh, KRSB Radio in in the good city right. of Philly. What's up, there? Here you go. I, I'm with Gary. You know, uh, I, I definitely get down with Tracy Spencer. So I- any day, all day. So yeah, that's someone who can sing, not like that garbage. Hey. Hey, look, this, I, I got a story I have to tell you guys off air about uh, uh, Miss Spencer, but uh, well, I'll tell you guys off air. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a good story. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I've been going through the, the uh, morning, morning news. Uh, Gordon Hayward is going to the orders for Boston. Gary, he says, if, if the Hornets tell you they're going to give you $30 million for the next four years, and three of those years are guaranteed, uh, the fourth year has an option to it, um, I say, why not? The cost of living okay. in, in Charlotte is a lot cheaper, so it's yeah. a smart signing on his behalf, but for the Hornets, I don't think that they have the tools necessarily to compete I mean, they get Lamelo Ball, but yeah. I mean, if I'm Gordon Hayward, if you if you tell me you're gonna pay me that money, I say, uh, let me show me your checkbook. Why? Why? Why is Charlotte losing all, all these bad players? They're, they're losing players every year. They lose somebody else. What's going on, Boston? Listen, <laughs> one of the greatest, and I have my own personal bias. I don't think that Michael's number one. But one of the greatest players in the history, one of the most fierce competitors, uh, is showing himself to be a novice owner. Um, and he had Mitch, Mitch Kupchak, who's his general manager, is making the same type of mistakes that he made as the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers post-Jerry Buss uh, being the owner of the Lakers. So I, I see that, that team in Charlotte as a tax write-off. I'm just, I'm just surprised it was going to Boston, but Boston losing all, all their players. 
Thompson, who I, I think is a little overrated, but he will serve the need. Uh, they got Jeff T, who I say fits there, um, and the other people. I don't think the Celtics will be as good, and Nick Onassis will probably be cringing if he's listening to the show right now. Um, I, I, I don't think they'll be as good, uh, but this is the type of team that Brad Stevens likes to coach uh, in Boston. Um, but let, let's see. I mean, you have tremendous work with, with, with Tatum. Jalen Brown has stepped up to a level that not even the Celtics fans believed that he was going to be uh, once they drafted him out of Cal. Um, and, and Marcus Smart is the dog that every team needs to have on their, on their squad. Um, but I, I look at that, you lose a wing – and, and at least 15 points guaranteed with Hayward because offensively he could play. His body and, and circumstances kind of gave out over, gave out on him over the last couple of years. But you're right. You lose Kyrie. Uh, you 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 lose Kyrie, and then you lose uh, uh, Gordon Hayward. So they didn't they didn't replace that. They didn't replace that. Um. Uh, moving on to Benny Hardaway. Benny Hardaway at Memphis had one um, first draft choice and second draft choice from Memphis University. Uh, Anthony Edwards and James White. One, two. Benny Hardaway. Who's going Memphis? Listen, um, Penny's developing something down there in Memphis. That's his backyard and his home. So he's contributing. Um, I don't know. I mean, the brother goes to the Warriors. Uh, he'll fit in the starting lineup. It's the right environment. Um, but without without having March Madness, we still don't know how these players perform it in cut yeah. situations. Um, so I'm not gonna knock him, but I'll I'll say I'll 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 stay reserved right yeah. now. The other young man, I think, I think he'll do a little bit better in the beginning, but I, I'm, I'm kind of reserved on most of these players, especially those top ten draft picks. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you, you both, real quick. I'm, I stepped away. I'm in daddy mode, but um, when you, I, I thought a couple of points get you, you guys thought. Start with you, Orlando, real quick. Um, I thought the draft. I thought everybody did okay getting some needs that they they needed in the draft. I also thought our Sixers did really well. Um, getting Seth Curry was nice. Uh, the kid yeah. from uh, uh, Maxwell uh, from uh, Kentucky is going to help. I think it's going to help Ben play off the ball a little better. That gives him a lot more confidence and a lot more movement without the ball. I like that. Um, uh, but I thought everybody pretty much did well in the Lakers. I mean, again, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Like, they shipped uh, JaVale McGee away. If Marcus Saw can give them anything a year, and he's time for two, he gives them a year. They bring in uh, uh, the, the, the guard. They, they get, uh, you know, the best six man coming off the, you know, coming off the bench. I mean, they just kind of get richer. 
But but what do you guys think about the NBA in particular? Um, what do you think about the Sixers? Um, start with the Lakers. The Lakers. I mean, you can't knock it. They're 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 the champions. Uh, you go, you get Montrezl Harrell, and it's more more or less you you cripple the Warrior. I mean, not the Warriors, the Clippers by getting Montrez. I think Wesley Matthews will serve them well. Um, I I'm not a fan of of, of Schroeder. Uh, I think he's a little lime wire. Um, but in a situation where he has to play with LeBron and AD, I think they'll hold him in check. Um, I, I can't knock the Lakers. They they won in the bubble, uh, 17th championship, which is you know a circle because they're tied with the Celtics. But I, I thought they came out really, really well. Um, I told you, for our Sixers, they have one more piece that they're going after, and I, I think they're going to bring Marquise Morris uh, back to the Sixers um, if, if, if he signs to that mid-level exception. Um, and, and then by them getting Dwight Howard with little to no money at all, I thought that was tremendous uh, from them. And I like the first-round draft pick from Kentucky, who was there. I forgot he was even on the board because I thought Sadiq Bey was going to fall to us. But then the Nets made that trade, and they had they picked up Sadiq Bey to trade him away. Um, but I love the kid from Iowa. I mean, not in the – I love the kid that they got in the second round who's a pure shooter. He needs to get some weight on his behind, but he's a pure shooter. Um, and I thought that was big. And in less than a week, Daryl Morey has done away the ills of Brett Brown. So, you know, I have no complaint there. Um, and what and the what White will do, nobody will take a shower with him, but he will bring some toughness to that Sixers organization. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me let me say it. Let me say it. Um, Javel, Javel McGee, Javel McGee, who's the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, but I, I hear, I hear rumors that he's gonna move to the uh, uh, New York Knicks uh, before before the season's gonna be a New York Knicks. Probably, uh, yeah. Is that you the same thing? Yeah, I heard he's a. See, so, so real quickly, Gary. Nah, I mean, I interrupt you. So, the the, the trade. The trade season really doesn't start until December the 8th. So, Daryl Morey was talking today, and so he couldn't address uh, that they have Danny Green, but that's a smart pickup. So, there's going to be a lot more movement um, as far as trades. Uh, and JaVel McGee will be a New York Knicks. Will he function in New York? I doubt it. Um, he works better on the West Coast out there with you, Gary. Um, he seems to have his head together. But, um, I mean, he gives them size, but he's not going to really be a factor for the Knicks. Well, also, you have to give McGee space. I don't even think he's going to give him space. When he played with L.A. and L.A. Lakers and he played for Golden State, he was not a main character. He's going to be a main character in New York. It's not going to work. Right, right. No, I, right. I, no. I, the, the other thing, the other thing I was thinking about too, guys. Uh, uh, how deep does the Golden State Warriors go? One of the Splash Brothers out of Gaskell so far. Uh, sorry for him. Um, and then the other thing is, 
when you look at the Nets, I don't. It's, I had this conversation with um, I can't remember who it was, but I mean Kyrie didn't even want to be number two to LeBron. You think he's gonna be number three if Harden comes in? I don't see how the Nets will make this work. They they certainly not gonna trade him, but I don't see if Harden comes in there how that and they're loaded with talent. The Nets are really loaded. I don't see how it's gonna work though, guys. No, no, no. It's not. It's not good. Look. You need, you need fireball. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, no, um, they, they don't play defense together either. So that's going to be a problem in Brooklyn. Listen, the problem in Brooklyn is not even Kyrie or, K- or Katie. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and, and, and Allen have heard their names in trade rumors. So if you're Houston, you're not trading Harden to Brooklyn because Brooklyn has to give up something. The same way that they talk about the Sixers, okay, you we got to give up Ben if we try to get Harden. The Sixers are like, no, you take Tobias, you take some picks and, and some additional players, but we're not going to give you that. The Nets have a problem. They had a decent team with Joe Harris uh, and everybody else up there, and they played like a team. Their coach was crazy as hell, and he got fired thanks to KD, which is no no help. But they got a first-year coach. They have a good person in the bench as far as D'Antoni and operating. But they, they, they're going to have a problem because Kyrie – I talked about Schroeder being a line wire. Uh, Kyrie is a short circuit, hands down, short circuit. One of the best handles that we've ever seen, but he's a line wire. I mean, he's a short circuit, excuse me. Uh, can, can you see? Can you see the New York uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets growing up in the middle of the season? Not in the middle of the season. I, I don't. I don't. I think they'll be okay because KD KD is special. Um, but I think the battle is going to be between Spencer Dinwiddie and I think the Nets will have to trade Spencer. Because I don't see he and Kyrie coexisting. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Melo, uh, Melo Anthony is a Blazer now. He's going to retire a Blazer. Is he going to get traded again? I think Portland will be okay. You know what they have? They picked up some players, uh, um, uh, the picked up, you know, Robert Covington, who, you know, I used to blast in his younger days here as a sixer, I think has stepped into his own. Um, he gives you uh, that ability to defend people. Um, and I, I, I think Portland will be okay. The West is loaded. Um, the East is kind of loaded as well. But I, I think Portland will struggle between that six and eight seed. Uh, one question about the uh, Washington Wizards. Uh, they got Robin Lopez at center now, but but uh, what are they gonna do with John Wall? John Wall wants to get out of Washington, but uh, I don't think he. I don't think he's a good one. I think he's a stay there. If if I'm Washington, I trade John Wall straight up for Russell Westbrook. Really? Yeah, I trade him straight up for Wessel, Russell. Salaries match. Um, if Houston is dumb enough to do that deal, I trade him for Russell. I mean, for Russell Westbrook. Russ comes to the East Coast. Um, he brings fire there, and he has something to prove. So you 
you reignite that 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 flame in him. It won't last too long. I give him two years, but you put Russell next to Bradley Beal, uh, Bertans. You said Lopez in the middle. They got that young uh, uh, kid. Um, you know the uh, half Japanese, half black gentleman is there. I uh, can't remember his name at, at the moment. So please forgive me. Along with uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas and some pieces, and then Washington now flirts with that eight seed. Okay. Okay. I am not a. I am not a Russell. Wilson. I'm not a Russell Westbrook guy at all, Gary. I don't. I don't care for Russell. Wilson. He shoots too much. He shoots too much. He gets all his based on uh, you know. Um, you know, garbage time, as Marv Albert used to call it. He, he gets it all at garbage time. He's really not a, a, a playmaker. That's a weird straight-up trade anyway because you don't know what you're going to get with John Wall. Well, no, no, thing, you don't. My thing with, with uh, Russell Westbrook is this. You are you're supposed to be a leader. And, and, and I said this many times about him. And OKC, OKC had a perfect team. They had, they had Harden, Westbrook, and KD. They just won the NBA title with, that, with that, those three guys. All three guys are gone now. And where's OKC? OKC is trying to win the lottery for the next 15 years. They have enough picks. Um, and everyone talks about how good, you know, Sam Presti is as a GM, and you got those picks, but if you don't draft the right players, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Um, And being a Sixers fan, they got Ben, they got Joel, which is good, but they missed the ball with, you know, Przingis, they should have drafted him. Um, they missed the ball. Um, and I think everyone misinterpreted what Markel Fultz is. So with this kid that they draft from Kentucky this this year, he's going to be what they thought Markel Fultz was supposed to be. So the Oklahoma City Thunder um, should have won at least one championship. Actually should have won two. Because you had, like you said, Harden, Durant, West, Russell Westbrook, a young Serge Ibaka. You had uh, Cephalosha, who was there as well. Um, and they, they should have done something. So we'll see. Um, I, I think the league should step in and say something about them trading everyone away because they're tanky.
the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, his spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be Every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch. We gon' run with it now. Never look back. We done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice. His power was the people. Enemy is lethal. A king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego. No one can win the war individually. It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call... Victory, the coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, so oh. talk trash. You hear people talk trash about his father. Um, his father uh, came out and told us that all three of his sons will be in the NBA. And all three of his sons are in the NBA. Well, the G League uh, with the middle son. Uh, got the Jay Brady syndrome. Um, but he, he's playing for a professional team. Mellow Ball will be the best out of the three sons. Uh, going to Charlotte gives him an opportunity. But you have you know, uh, Terry Rozier, you have uh, the kid who was coming into his own from Kansas, and now you have LaMelo Ball. One of those point guards has to go. They have to trade Terry Rozier. So that's what I will watch out for. But I think LaMelo Ball will do, LaMelo will do well in Charlotte 
starting out. He doesn't play any defense. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work with the coach because he can't guard me, and, and, and I'm running <laughs> on one leg. Um, but he can score. He can put the rock up. Um, and that's what they want in Charlotte. They need a draw there. Um, so you'll see, you know, some uh, some Hornets games on TV when they play, you know, a much improved Atlanta Hawks, who I know we're getting to in a few minutes, um, and, and some of those other teams in New Orleans, especially when he plays his brother. That may be a, uh, an early game on the TNT. Yeah. Um, the Warriors lost uh, Clay Thompson. Um, I was going to pick the, uh, Curry, Curry and, um, and, um, uh, Raymond Green. I was going to pick that for, for two years straight without, um, Thompson. Yeah, listen, Clay's irreplaceable. So you're talking about a pure 3 and D guy who can flat out shoot the rock. Um, and he can play defense. So to lose him, um, it's unfortunate that he's having these types of injuries. He will be a Hall of Famer, um, but you can't replace him. Um, And I think with the Warriors, you'll see uh, Seth, um, you'll you'll see uh, uh, the the kid that they drafted um, running along with Draymond, and they'll they'll be okay, but they won't be anything more than a fifth seed. So if they become the fifth seed in the West, uh, Steve Kerr as coaches behind off. But they don't really have that bench that they that they had. The Warriors back in the day when they were just dominating everything, they could run almost ten deep. You know, their yes. bench was immaculate, and they don't have that any longer. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Wiseman, Wiseman is a is a big big boy. I I, I was surprised, surprised at Wiseman. He's a big center. I'm gonna see how well he does up against bigger bigger centers. Yeah, and uh, Atlanta, yeah. I know you got to go. Um, you go go ahead, go ahead and comment. I'm sorry. No, no, no I'm, I'm saying listen. I mean, I know we, we'll talk about the Hawks, but listen, the Phoenix Suns. And that young squad, Monty Williams can coach. Uh, so yeah. the only reason he got out of coaching yeah. was because, you know, he had to have his house in order um, because of the tragedy that happened to him. Uh, but you talk about Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, um, you know, the the the, the Mikael Bridges, uh, yeah. DeAndre Ayton. Um, they, they have some players in, in, in Phoenix. So we talked. We mentioned Portland. We mentioned the Warriors, uh, and, and you know the Jazz as well. That, that's a that's six through nine right there in the West Coast. And Denver, right? Yeah, Denver took a hit. They took a hit. They by losing Jeremy Grant and, and losing Plumlee. Um, you're going to put a lot of pressure on Jokic uh, to perform. And Jokic is not going to be anything more than what he is physically. So I, I'm a little worried about Denver, you know. And, and we know the young man came out. Yeah, but they came out. But 
you know, the thing about this bubble, nobody was playing on the road. There was no travel. So you played on the same three courts for, for three yeah. months straight. So um, we have to see how uh, uh, these folks perform traveling this year. Well, what are they, they going to do with COVID-19? COVID I mean, how is that going to work? Playoffs may be in a bubble again. Honestly, I, I, I see it getting a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're going to have to. And what are they playing, 70 games? What are they playing uh, this coming year? 72 Seventy-two to get, they get that revenue from the TV network, yeah, uh, yeah. which is important, and they want to try to get the season back on track. I think they should leave the season as they have it right now because having the the draft and free agency this time of year, it's perfect. It is perfect. Like yeah. this worked. And starting the season in in December, I, yeah. I you know I mentioned that before that I think that the season should start at Christmas. It this is perfect. Because it'll take us through the dog days of baseball, you know, the yeah. first three months of yeah. baseball where it doesn't mean anything. And when it drops off, baseball should be right at its apex. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Orlando, appreciate you, bro. All right, man. Thank you guys you. take care. Thank you, man. All right. Happy All right. Thanksgiving to you, too. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, man. All right. Got it. Thank you, Dean, bro. Yes, sir. All right. thing is Gary when you're first when you're first that means there's there's no, nobody that looks like you that are in that particular situation so um a first is good we saw with Jackie Robinson but you got the do and I'm not trying to be pessimistic I'm 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 happy but I'm but if you once once you go through the midst of that there's going to be some strife and some struggles and I mean, you know, you 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 got the well, triple he, thing going on. So. He's been he's been through he's been through uh, been through L. Man, man, the Spanish the Spanish contingency did not like her because he's black. Um, and he was part of the Spanish racing team, and he quit there. So I'm, I'm out of here. So he joined the um he joined the Mercedes Benz team. And when he joined mm. the Mercedes, yeah, when he joined the Mercedes Benz team, 
said, I, I think that's a that's a, a beautiful thing. Let's just hope that uh, he'll be appreciated and that it's you know he's a trailblazer. You know that's that's really where it starts. You know um, to, to to be able to 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 do that um, and be successful with it. But we we shall see. Yeah, we shall. I wish him. I wish him luck. Uh, this this uh, I this do weekend. Too. This weekend he goes to the Turkish Turkish Grand Prix. This weekend, ending the season in the second week of uh, December. The season's over. He's already won the championship this year. So congratulations, Lewis Davis Hamilton, in his seventh World Championship. Congratulations to him. Listen, I want to say thank you for to, to what you do, Gary, and we're excited for um, the upcoming days and weeks and months and years with you um, pushing your agenda, and we want you to on our network and, and certainly with your articles and everything else. But I just want to say thank you for being a longtime friend and co-host and colleague and all that you do, all the championing that you do. For all the causes that you do, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You be careful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you do. You do out there back east. Um, oh, you going back east? Oh, you going east? Oh. No, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going back east. I'm staying here. I'm staying oh. here. It's too dangerous to go out there now, man. I know. I I was gonna go yeah. see the family in Connecticut, but you know Connecticut got hit pretty bad, so we're gonna yeah. gonna stay home. And, do what we need to do and follow the guidelines. But the, yes, I, I think yes. the biggest, the biggest, and the biggest and best news too, Gary, as you close it out, um, is that as you mentioned earlier in your broadcast, that uh, um, the guy occupying the White House is finally allowing the GSI to do what they need to do, and transitions going to take place. So, Mr. Biden, President-elect, and historically uh, 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 Vice President-elect Harris. Are going to be able to move forward and, and get their business done. Yes, and I've been I've been waiting for that word for a long time. I'm glad it's glad it finally got arrived. Now we can Absolutely. now we can move forward. Now our country can move forward and and and, and go back on the right track again. Hopefully. Yes. Then, uh, all y'all, all of you, all in. Carolina area. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, a blissful Thanksgiving, a peaceful Thanksgiving, and don't eat too much. <laughs> yeah, you better not. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Take your boy. Take no. your boy. Take your two we'll boys. Do. I'll get you later. All right. Have a good
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.